What you are about to hear is the ultimate blend of technology and entertainment. This is Conf T with your SE. That's right. We're back with another episode of Conf T with your SE. I am your host, Brian Young. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Tom Porto. How are you, sir? I'm very well, Brian. How are we doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Um, if you are watching us on YouTube, you will notice a familiar face, although he might look a bit more masculine and, uh, I don't know, just mountainy than uh, than before. But this is uh, the third time we've had uh, our special guest here, Mr. Ryan Harami, on the show. Ryan, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. I uh, I feel honored. Fresh from chopping wood outside. <laughs> with no shirt on and it was like negative 20 degrees I, just, I don't know how he does it these 4k cameras catching all the beads of sweat <laughs> yeah you got some sawdust in your beard you might want to that's that's what makes it more manly so uh so we've got ryan on so that must mean we're talking about meraki uh because ryan is the man in fact we spent the first 30 minutes of uh uh, before the show talking with him about you know just various meraki stuff and like hey uh what's what's going on here are we doing this there and yeah he's just he's just a man when it comes to meraki so no one better to have on to talk about the meraki line than ryan so of course that's why he's here and that's what we're going to be chatting about today um since it's been so long since we've had a meraki update um even though from a episode count you've been on pretty recently but of course it's been a while since we've done these episodes there's definitely been a lot of development and progress in just features and stuff on the hardware. Not necessarily a lot in terms of new products. There are a few. We'll touch on those. But a lot into the software and the, you know, dare I say, AI portion of it um, that I just found interesting. And with me kind of being out of the generalist role now, it's not something I'm as privy to as much anymore. So, Tom was actually, you know, the one that kind of was like, hey, they're doing this now. We should talk about that. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that. So um, I guess let's just get started with the Meraki Vision stuff. Um, no, it's funny because just after I started at Cisco was when they launched the first cameras. And, you know, it it was revolutionary in the idea that, hey, instead of having to require a, 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 a network video recorder device with a bunch of hard drives that all the cameras just feed into, right? Let's just record it on the, on the camera itself. Let's put storage there and let's alleviate the, the network uh, from being just bombarded with all that video traffic from all those cameras. And it really opened a lot of doors for a lot of customers. And it sounds like we've come a long way from that and a lot of the cool stuff we're doing. So I'll let you go with it, Ryan. Like what, what are we doing now with Meraki Vision? What's the latest and greatest there? Yeah. I mean, there, there's just been, um, some of the some of the updates I, I think are a little understated when you think about what they look like in the dashboard. You're kind of like, okay, we put all this engineering effort and it's like this one line on the dashboard that says like <laughs> upload this file. And you're like, okay, like cool, what does that do? But then like when you start to really unpack uh what we've been working on, uh, there's just there's just some really cool stuff. So um We've kind of had this vision for the cameras for a long time, pun intended, um, where we, we knew there's like table stakes, right? Which is like, okay, like the first thing that, that a camera is going to obviously be thought of uh, as a use case is for physical security, right? So we're like, all right, we got to like build this feature set, build that feature set, do motion searching, you know, uh, build uh, a new vision portal. Uh, we actually, if you go to vision.meraki.com now, now that's how you log in and view all your cameras. So we knew we kind of had some technical debt on that front. Uh, and we've taught, come a long way, even through like mobile app, right? Where you can now view all the feeds in the mobile app. There's a, uh, it's a native experience. Um, so we've been kind of working through all that stuff, but kind of in parallel to that, um, there's been a broader strategy at Meraki of saying, hey, listen, we have um, a lot of data, right? We have a lot of data that we that we gather from our networking devices, and we've started to run machine learning algorithms on that data to do really cool things with our other products like uh, anomaly detection. Like we can tell you, hey, if normally on a Tuesday, you know, this many, this many wireless clients fail to authenticate, but, you know, today... 
there's 10x that. That's an anomaly, right? Like that's machine learning running on that and we can do anomaly detection. So we've we've kind of had amongst all of our products this, this idea of machine learning uh, going on. Uh, with the, the cameras, though, specifically, we've always had this idea that we talked about that we build the cameras to act as a sensor on the network, right? So we want to make the cameras so good that you never actually have to watch the footage, right? Like that's the idea behind it, right? Like we don't want you watching hours of footage to find an incident. We want you to quickly be able to hone in on whatever it is that you wanted it to guess, or maybe you never even want to uh, watch the footage. Like our uh, our head of our camera product, uh, George Bentick, always gave this really fun example where one of our first deployments of the cameras was like this guy who just wanted to watch sheep in a meadow, right? And he never wanted to watch the footage. He just wanted to know like, can you give me a heat map of where the sheep are on what day? Right. So all he wanted was the heat map. Never wanted to go watch the watch the feed, but just was like, can you give me the heat map? And then you're like all of a sudden going, wait, there's like a lot of people that probably want to use cameras just as a sensor. They don't care to ever see the footage. Right. Um, well, think of how much so, footage is recorded on security cameras, like uh, out of the millions and possibly more hours of footage recorded every day or even even shorter period than that. Right. How much of it is actually watched? Yeah. No, no one has, no one has a time span to do that. Yep. Yeah. It reminds me of that, like Rick and Morty joke where it's like, what is my purpose? It's like, you, you make, you know, you flip the bread and it's like, you know, so these hard drives are out there being, what is my purpose? Like you store the thing that no one's going to watch, you know? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Um, so we had some very like, practical early examples of of using the cameras as a sensor right and and we started to do things like people detection right and car detection um and those were those were us taking you know video analytics and teaching the camera here's these objects that we want to spot and we refined our ob- our object modeling right like we had a v1 version of the person modeling then we had a v2 version of the people modeling so that, that it was getting more and more accurate um and the latest thing um, that we've been, we've released uh, is this thing called Custom CV, right? So it's called Custom Computer Vision, and it essentially is a in the dashboard you can upload your own model that you want the camera to spot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is like as a as like a sales guy, like when you tell customers about this feature, it's like this really weird uh, phenomenon where I'm like. I don't know what I'm going to tell you to do with this. Like I I can't guide you, right? Like you actually know your business way better than I do. So when I'm talking about this feature, I'm kind of giving all these what ifs and hand waving and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it's a really weird thing to kind of explain, but essentially it's like the camera can now sense whatever you want it to sense, whatever you model it to sense, like it can sense that. So like I just have other customer examples that I can give them. Like, one engineer, when they demoed this initially, was like, hey, I've trained it to spot my cats, right? And you're like, okay, that's that's kind of cool. Like, I can now count number of cats in a thing. And he's like, but there's more. It can actually tell if it's this cat versus that cat. And you're like, okay, we've gone a little too far. Like, the technology was not built for this, you know? Um, <laughs> um, but then you start to go, oh, man, okay. So, like, if, if, uh, if a business wants to... Uh, count the number of boxes getting loaded onto a truck, right? Uh, if, if you are a manufacturing facility and you want to count the number of, you know, uh, pills being loaded into a, a bottle or, you know, you can start to go, oh man, like the, like a sensor can automate a ton of that, right? Um, if you want to uh, alert someone when there's not two people in front of a piece of machinery, right? The model being like the model that we want to detect is not just a person. We want two distinct per- people and they should all, they should be in this frame. Otherwise like this machinery should not be run. Right. Um, and so you start to go like, you know, your mind just starts to expand in terms of like, man, there's a lot of use cases around this. Right. Um, so yeah, that's the premise of it. Um, is is like yeah, we don't know how you're going to use it, but we think it's pretty dang cool, uh, and uh, more people need to know about it. That's awesome. I I do remember having a customer years ago, a manufacturing customer, and they really, I think the the Gen two cameras had just been launched, and they were because we were doing people detection, the first version of people detection, and 
that exact scenario came up where it's like, well, could I train it to detect the number of, you know, widgets or whatever they were manufacturing at the time as it's going, you know, across the, uh, the conveyor belt. Right. And at the time, of course, the, the answer, unfortunately was no. Um, but it sounds like that's no longer the case. Yeah. Spot on. And you brought up the, the gen two cameras. Um, so yeah, just to quickly expand on that. So yeah, we had the Gen 2 cameras, which were anything of our camera models that end in 2, right? So the, the MV12, the 22, 72, 52, et cetera, right? Um, so we recently launched uh, our Gen 3 cameras, which are the MV63 and the MV93. Um, so uh, basically, one of the bigger reasons for, for revving the camera models, of course, we wanted to step up the optical sensors and all that kind of stuff, right? So now these are 4K and 8K video recording, right? Um the other thing was to beef up the processor, right? Because if now, if you if you have that that edge compute, right, that is essentially doing this video analytics, right? Like we wanted to enable that to have more and more use cases with these with this custom CB. So there's been a, a huge bump there in those specs. Um, they're all the Qual- Qualcomm Snapdragon processors, right? So these are the same processors in like Android phones, right? Um, so if it's running a whole operating system on your phone and and you know doing all the crazy things that obviously a phone has to do. Um, they're pretty powerful. So, um, and then combine that with like the solid state drives that we build into them, right? So it's like laptop grade solid state drives. We're not talking like limited read write drives or something like that. There's you know long term solid state drives. So the hardware is is now you know obviously like we don't want to get into like bits and bytes of the hardware, but like the hardware is now revved up to be able to kind of tackle not only the physical security use cases but also. Um, these these custom computer vision use cases. Now, how would how would one go about getting a you know that that what did you call them custom vision model? How how would you go ahead and, and do that? Let's say I'm a <laughs> I keep thinking back to the um, oh, what was that show the uh, Silicon Silicon Valley right with the hot dogs right and the machine <laughs> learning on the images. Yeah. Let's yeah. say let's exactly. say I'm a hot dog manufacturer, right? Yeah. And I want to count the number on the conveyor belt. Yeah. You know, am I just Googling a bunch of images and uploading them? I, I can't imagine that's the case. How, how do I go through that process uh, if I wanted to implement this yeah, as so, a customer? Yeah. So this is opening up a whole new world of ecosystem partners, right? So like not to like, you know, go back to, it feels like, when the iPhone launched is like the new since the dawn of time, right? Like, you know, so, but like when the iPhone <laughs> launched, right? Well, like the crazier thing about the iPhone launch was like the ecosystem that it built. All of a sudden you had all these developers that had this new platform yep. to go build on, right? So kind of building off of that, um, now that we have this custom CV thing, we have a whole set of ecosystem partners that we've onboarded uh, who can do this as a service for you, right? So they will work with you to um, spec out exactly what you are trying to to uh, count right with the cameras or, or what you're trying to, to sense with the cameras. Um, and we have a, a, a large list of them on our uh, apps.meraki.io page. So that's our that's our apps marketplace. Um, so it's basically pre-vetted partners that we've already worked with. We've onboarded them. Um, we have like specific requirements for them to get onto there as well. Like the biggest go-to-market motion for Meraki is a C-try-buy motion, right? So we very much believe in sending out trials and letting you test it and go through all the use cases. So we we demand that same thing of our ecosystem partners, right? So they have to have a C-try-buy uh, methodology. So they all have like a free trial um, for you to test out their services. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a few of them um, that are, are uh, loaded up there today. Um, a couple of them I'll call out. There's a, a company, Cogniac, um, Cogniac.ai is their website. Um, really, really cool stuff. They, they kind of specialize in physical safety, manufacturing, that kind of stuff. There's another one uh, called MeldCX. Um, again, they're, what they're, the service they are providing you is that they are going to generate the file for you that you upload into the camera to do the sensing, right? So in your hot dog example, they would be the ones, you know, gathering the like 3000 photos of hot dogs, training the model to that, the, Hey, this is, this is what we want to count. And then you get the output of that, which is a file that you upload into the camera. Um, so, 
Um, yeah, that that's exactly how you would go about it. I uh, I do know, like based on the the cat example I gave you earlier, right? There's software out there where you can go build your own models. Um, I don't know what that software costs or or the the time and effort that goes into it and that kind of stuff. So it's definitely possible to build it yourself. But I I would say that uh, our from an enterprise perspective, we would say, hey, listen, talk talk to our ecosystem partners and and they'll get you going. Gotcha. And and you guys would know kind of which of those uh, partners would be better suited for one type of of um, classification or whatnot versus another type, right? Depending on the use case. Yeah, I mean, from uh, I mean, I'm sure um, the folks from those companies would would probably tell me that um, I'm full of it. But yeah, I think right now there's 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 not a ton of differentiation, right? I think they're it, they're both offering up services. There probably are some nuances in terms of how they build the models and whatnot. Right. Um, right, right. But, um, but yeah, it's kind of like uh, this. Basically, if you've heard of all the chat GBT stuff, like anything AI based right now is like a gold rush, right? So it's the wild west. Everyone's literally racing to the hills to try to stake out a, a plot of land. Right. Um, and right now there's not a ton of differentiation, at least from my, uh, completely uneducated mind in, in that, like, so they're all offering kind of similar services. Um, I think they, they, uh, just like I was, as I was explaining earlier, where we can't possibly know all the use cases that a customer might want. Right. And so these companies, what they're doing is they're getting pressed, you know, or they're getting presented with a, a customer scenario and then they do it and then they go, wow, we did it, right? You're like, maybe we didn't, we didn't know that could be done, right? Um, <laughs> and so now they start to go, okay, what other customers? And this is a use case that we can solve. And that's what they tout, right? But it doesn't mean that their methodology was necessarily that different. They're just building a model, mm-hmm. right, for you. Um, but like, you know, one of them was like a cra- crazy example I heard, which was like, uh, uh, I forget which state it was, but they wanted to monitor um, if trucks were idling, uh, at their wave facilities, right? And because they're, they're by law, they're not supposed to be idling, right? Um, and the cameras can exa- uh, detect the exhaust coming out the tailpipe, right? Um, so there's like crazy stuff like that where you're like, you can do an object model around like air, you know, like, you know, like, what, like, what do you mean? Like, what is that? Uh, but yeah, it's, there's, there's some really cool stuff that they're doing with it. That's awesome. So That's I, really I think. Cool one of the interesting things to me, right. And I, cause I mean, I've, I've seen other camera vendors have something similar to like what we were doing, right? Like we built the people detection thing, car detection. Right. But I think what really differentiates us from a lot of what's already out there is the idea that you can take anything now and model it and run it on the camera, which I mean, I think pretty sure anyone else you got to go to, you're probably, probably set with a, a list of things. Here's the things we can and can't do. Oh, and oh, you need a server to crunch all these numbers, right? So, And the uh, server I mean, needs four GPUs. Right, right. So, I mean, you know, the idea that we're running all that on the camera hardware is that that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So holding true to that initial design. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's going to be some practical limitations of this, right? Like, for example, um, like if you're like, I want to be able to spot hot dogs and cats and tractors and you know, uh, giraffes, right? Like there's only so many models that, that the onboard processor can, can then do at the same time. Right. So there's still some, yeah. So there's some, there's some (laughs) things like that, like, yeah, if you're, if you like, I have this one camera, I want it to spot a thousand different things. Like, sure. There's going to be some practical examples of that, but like a lot of times, like if you're using cameras as sensors, cause you have this specific business case for, for whatever it is that you want to monitor. Right. So we still think it makes sense to, to have this, uh, processing at the edge and, and exactly what you said tom like it's just very powerful that the infrastructure that you need to do this is uh, like literally plug this camera into the network you don't even have to have a network connection to it just get it power and join over wi-fi right, right. um and right. you you've now unlocked this sort of capability so um yeah it's extremely powerful i'm i'm just picturing this scenario where Hot dogs, cats, and giraffes. And the, other, the other thing you said would all just be kind of flying around, and the camera's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> what's going on?" It's a zoo. Use I'd probably case. have the same yeah. reaction if all those yeah. things were flying around. Too. <laughs> it's like the, the that movie Twister where they see the cow. Oh, it's a cow. Oh, it's another cow. No, I think that was the same one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What a great movie! What a great movie! Oh man, no, that's that's cool, and and, and I. 
to what you were just saying, Tom, I, I love the fact that it, uh, that it's still in line with the way that the Meraki cameras were originally developed, right? You guys came in with something that, not for nothing, the the CCTV or surveillance or security camera market was pretty flooded with lots of brands, lots of different options in terms of, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, tilt pan zoom, uh, uh, yeah, PTZ cameras and, and outdoor cameras and you know, license plate reader cameras. And they were all kind of one or two ways of doing it. At the end of the day, the foundation was still, it's either an analog camera that's going to feed, send the video over a coax, or it's an IP camera that's going to send that feed over a data connection. And Meraki comes in and they're just like, we've got a better idea. We're going to, we're going to try this right with just the local storage. And then you guys improved on it. The first improvement, retention-based storage, or well, what was it? Um, uh, what was it? No, motion-based not, not retention. retention. Motion. Thank you. Yeah. I knew it was something with a based and retention in there. Um, you got that. Then you go ahead and add the detection and then you expand on that. And one other thing, and I know we, we covered this, I think on one of the first episodes where we talked about the cameras, the, you know, when you have a customer that already has an investment in the analog setup, right, where they've already got the, the DC wires and the, and the coax cables run and they just want to replace the cameras, they don't want to have to spend thousands of dollars for wiring for, for data. And you just, you just touched on it, it reminded me of it. Those little, uh, the hockey pucks there that we have where you just plug in that 12 volt line, you get a, a basically a PoE injector there. I think it's 12 to 24 volts on the, on the DC side and you get a nice POE injector and you just join the camera to the Wi-Fi, And that's not a problem because again, I'm only using data if I'm watching the video live or trying to, yep. you know, pull that, pull that data off. It's all recorded locally. I just, yep. I think it's great because the, the, the way that, that it came into market, you couldn't do what you're doing today as effectively as you are if it didn't start with that, I think. Just yeah. my two cents. Spot on. I think um, having options like that, like, is, is definitely kind of um, what helps us be. I hate using this word, but like, quote unquote, more enterprise, right? Like, what's the delineation yep. between enterprise and what? Like, I mean, that, that's a silly word, but <laughs> I mean, basically, it, it means that like you have more like versatile deployment strategies, right? Like, um, you know, it, it, the fact that it has Wi-Fi built into it is huge, right? Like that means, hey, in the in the area, if I want to put this out on a light pole in a parking lot, I got to trench a data cable out to it, right? Like there's, right. you can just shine Wi-Fi out to it. And, and like I said, that that's how it gets the video feedback. Um, and in, in like, listen, we're not without like some debt in this area too, right? Like we, for example, like People were like, hey, traditionally for our, our when we buy a camera system, we would buy like the computer that like we use to watch it. Right. Um, and just recently, one of the new things we launched was an Apple TV app um, that you can now use to watch your feeds on a on a uh, display monitor. Right. So now, whether right. that be in like retail where they have um, like the deterrent camera. Right. And you want to relay that video back to a TV screen or just, hey, in your sock right? You want to have uh, t views of all the cameras, right? Um, you know, we didn't, we, we said, Hey, yeah, like get a computer and get a web browser and throw it up there. Right. Like that's not enterprise. Right. So we're like, okay, like, well, what, what's the hardware that we can use for this? Right. And we start with the Apple TV and, um, you can like lock the Apple TV. It's super configurable, right? Like with our, even with our MDM, you can lock the Apple TV into the single app mode so that literally the only thing it does, it boots up, launches the Meraki window and boom, it's displaying what you want. Right. So there's some cool stuff that we've been working on in there. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been a journey. Um, if you, if any of, you know, one listening to this had like the gen one cameras, you know, like you're a saint, bless you, right? Like we've we've <laughs> we've went through like that was the MVP, right? And we've built and built and built and built. Um, and now I think um, we have a ton of really cool features that do set us apart uh, from the traditional security market, right? And and what's crazy about it is that we know we're like more expensive than other traditional vendors, right? Like just a normal access uh, 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 camera, for example, right? Just throw one one vendor out there. I mean, they're cheap, right? Like they're, they're like $200 cameras, $300 cameras, right? Like, and it's, you know, we're coming in here being like, look at all the cool stuff we've built into this camera. And if you only care about physical security, you're kind of going like, how do I justify the cost? Um, and so now we're starting to 
bring in other po- folks into the discussion, right? Um, just like how years ago it was like you had a VoIP team and you had a networking team, and now all of that's handled by just the networking team. Well, now you used to have a facilities team and a networking team, and now like you know they're knocking on the network teams like, hey, uh, what do you guys think about cameras? You know, can we plug these into your network, right? And and now they're like, well, well let me check the security of this, and yet so. You know, we're starting to get traction in that. And that's how we're justifying kind of like, hey, we know our hardware is more expensive, but this hardware unlocks a whole set of new things that we can do where you're not just having someone recording video and never watching it. Right. Yep. Yep. Now, it was the same conversation I had with a customer recently about the cameras. They were they were interested in it. But from their standpoint, they're like. If if I have, you know, a dollar, a camera that's worth X amount of dollars keeping an eye on you know a line of trucks and my biggest concern is a $1,200 catalytic converter being stolen or a $2,000 catalytic converter being stolen I'm not justified in purchasing two or three cameras to cover that space because if it happens once I'm still you know it it, it it's not worth it it's not like I'm going to be able to figure out who that person is it's not like I can read their driver's license yeah um you know and, and and again if you're just if you're just looking at it from the 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 original standpoint of security cameras where it's just physical security they're they're you know it may be a harder pill to swallow but you add the different the additional things we've already talked about like the motion based retention the i mean i i skipped this one i think this was the biggest one for me was just the motion search capability because i i know i've told this story before but it took me 2 hours to find the portion of the video that was being recorded on a 24 by 7 camera to find where the guy had hit the uh the little pylon and broke it that it happened two weeks ago i had to go through uh you know about three weeks worth of video to find that moment that it happened versus just highlighting the area hitting search and seeing all the all the events that happened at that time like what the cameras originally offered and that was just like boom like mind blown <laughs> right there and yeah. that was that was my favorite demo I was like, you, because everyone that was looking at it from a, from a security standpoint, you know, purchaser kind of standpoint, they understood that they could relate to that, right? They're like, oh yeah, I've been there, trying to find when something happened, and I have absolutely no idea when it did, but I've just got to find this moment in time, and uh, it, we, that was one of the first biggest things that I was just like, this is this is powerful. It's it's awesome to see how far far it's come. Yeah. And, uh, you know, practical examples like that is like, you know, what fuels us sales guys, because a lot of times where I'll be like, hey, but this is going to save you a lot of time in the future. Right. And you kind of like make these grand statements. Right. And uh, but no, I mean, it, it absolutely does. Right. Like um, so. So, yeah, the, I think that's a great example. Awesome. Tom, I want you to introduce the next uh, next topic of this. And I, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I know you have one. And uh, where I hope it's right next to you. You you showed it to me the other day. A little uh, oh, there it is. <laughs> oh, the night the nice slow reveal from the bottom. Right, of course for only for our YouTube viewers who were able to see that. But <clears throat> yes, yes, the... our, our our Patreon subscribers. <laughs> right. Just kidding. We do not have a Patreon. Don't don't try to look for it. <laughs> True. Um, no, it is the MT30, kind of the latest sensor release from Meraki. Ryan, what's that all about, man? Yeah, so like speaking of like not being able to, to prescribe to you how you will possibly use this product, right? Um, <laughs> you know, the uh, Speaking uh, of the starting MT- from an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you know, I feel like this is like what if I told you you could do this, right? Like, you know, uh so like if anyone, you know, has ever dealt with any sort of home automation stuff, right? Like I, I have, uh, I'm like a very amateur home automation per- person. Like I'm the type of person who like yells, Hey Google, like seven times before I get it to do something. Cause I don't enunciate <laughs> my words. Everyone else's Google just go off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, That's like so the I mortal can... sin of podcasting. You don't exactly. say those words. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I like, I have like Wemos and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so yeah. Yep. Uh, so if you've ever played around that, you've no doubt run into a service like if this, then that, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. and um, you're always taking like, here's this one thing that triggers this other action, right? Um, and, and a lot of times when you're doing that, you're connecting two services, two like web-based services together, right? Like if I, you know, say this thing, then make an Evernote link or whatever it is, like there's little infinite things you can do with that, right? Um, 
but the button is think of it as like the actual physical interaction to kick that off. So if it's like, if I press this button, then go do this, right? And that this thing that you can go do is now a web-based thing, right? So again, like there's the examples of this are something as simple as turn on a Wemo switch and your light turns on. You're like, so I made a button that turns on a light. I think we solved that problem like a hundred years ago, right? Um, so that that example feels like really silly. Yet, however, like that's the example that I made it and, do. And because so going, it's going over over Bluetooth, over the internet, <laughs> calling an API, talking to this other systems through API. When you press the button, you know it may take five seconds for that light to come yeah, on. Exactly. And you're but you know what's like, funny? What's yeah. funny about that though is you're really excited when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? Like if I show my wife that, she's like. What? <laughs> what did you yeah. just do? I was like, do you understand yeah. what just happened? Like, what? I'm what like just Tom Hanks on the, the beach, world? being like, "I have made fire." <laughs> you know, like that's what. Yeah, yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. So yeah, that that's the silliest example of it. Um. <laughs> but from like a from an enterprise perspective, again, like going into this kind of smart spaces, um, it's a really cool thing. I mean, like like for example, we have some customers that are putting it in their their office buildings, and and like, hey, like. If this piece of machinery, if the if the printer needs uh, help or this conference room needs attention, right? Press the button, and then that triggers like a ServiceNow workflow that creates a ticket and assigns it to someone, and and you know you're off and running, right? That's a use case. Um, we have some like built-in automations for it in the Meraki dashboard. So if you wanted it to do something within Meraki, um, you can have it toggle on and off a switch port, right? Um, so like if you're powering something off the switch port and you want it to like turn the switch port off, turn the switch port on, it can be a button, you know, that, that does that. Um, and I actually had one customer reach out for that exact use case, right? They were, there was some piece of machinery that they were pulling power off the switch and they wanted to be able to bounce that. And they, they didn't want, uh, they kept getting tickets, the IT desk, Hey, can you, you know, you got to reboot that again. You got to reboot that again. And they're like, now they're like. Here's your button, you know. Like, I see the department said, does. here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, here you go. Here's the easy button. Stop. Yeah, yeah here's your easy button. Stop bugging me. And now, now like, in my mind, my, my I immediately went to, like, GoldenEye. Like, I'm like, there's going to be, like, two synchronous keys that I have to turn. And then, like, you both flip up the glass. <laughs> and then, like, you press the button. And then, like, this, you know, that's exactly how I think about it. But, yeah, I mean, there's, there's simple things like that. Um, there's crazier things you can do with it, right? Like, um, one of the engineers was like, "Hey, like, um, if you if you guys have ever played around with like the serverless code stuff that the cloud providers are doing, so if you AWS Lambda or Google Run, um, you can now have code that sits uh, in those serverless platforms, and is the basically when they run is by receiving a webhook, right? So one of the things the MT30 can do is send a webhook." Right. So that, you know, you could basically have some code that does something uh, in out there. And this is the button that goes off and runs that code. Right. Um, so we so one of our engineers built a really cool example of this. It was like, hey, if I'm someone who's sitting here deploying like a thousand dashboard networks or something like that, obviously, you can just do that in code. But what if it's like kind of asynchronous? Right. Like, oh, I got to you know, every, it, I'll get a phone call and then I got to do the thing, right? Cool. Instead of having like launch a terminal, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here, hit the button. Boom. There goes a dashboard network gets created, right? Or something like that. You know, like I said, these are all very silly examples because I can't, you know, I'm just literally inventing these things as I, as my brain goes on here. But yeah, it, it's a smart button um, that, that basically can trigger anything in, in the web. You're going to have to send me one, Ryan, because I want to try. So... You know, I've got some Meraki access points in my my house here, and the the kids have their own device policies that's attached to their devices. And it would be really cool if I was to be able to press a button and change the device policy for all the devices that are tagged kids to block and, you know, be like an internet timeout button. Don't make yeah. me take out that button. <laughs> no, the, the easier easier way to do that is uh, one of the built-in automations is you can enable or disable an SSID, right? So you could just throw all their devices on an SSID, right, and not let them onto your other SSIDs, and then hey, yeah, playtime's over. You know, uh, click the button. You know, the crying ensues, and and uh, it happened a lot faster than if you had to do it manually. The, the kids' devices are already uh, super supervised MDM on on, on Meraki yeah. and. They already have the time limits and everything. Like, 
I, I've I've said this for years, and and my kids are living it. Like they're never going to get away with a damn thing on my network. <laughs> 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 and they're learning. They're learning quickly. My especially my son. He's he's ten and a half, so he's at that age where you know boundaries are starting to get pushed, and uh, we're uh, we're having to keep an eye on things and explain to him like we see everything. Just just so you know. <laughs> Yeah, create uh, that distrust I... of networks early. <laughs> yeah, zero trust, buddy. Zero trust. I live it every day. <laughs> I wish I still worked on the, the customer side. I, I would have just had one of these sitting on my desk, have it programmed to just reboot someone's machine at random. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking all the practical prank uses for these things, which is yeah. pretty great, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we, we've gone from practicality to just prank. And... Uh, which is which is listen if you're going to order these buttons you're going to want at least three or four of them for just pranks yeah uh, <laughs> i mean april, april fools comes but once a year you know you're you're, you're going to want them you're you're going to be in that situation where you're going to be like oh if i only had a couple extras but that's that's that is pretty cool i like that i like that the, the one i saw the other day it, not not related to the sensor but uh one i would envision doing with the sensor is uh Someone on TikTok like made it made us. They had a door open close sensor, which we also have. But when someone opens the door, it plays like one of those little riffs from Seinfeld. You know, um, like <laughs> like when Kramer so, comes in. Exactly. So yeah. Exactly. So now, if like someone opens the door, just press the button, audio file plays. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff you can do with it. That's funny. Um, I think I told you about this when we were we were talking prep. But if not, um, the door sensor. You just reminded me of it. The door sensor came in handy for me a couple of weeks ago because. I went into my boiler room where my chest freezer is and to just grab something out of the toolbox in there. And I noticed that the chest freezer door was just propped wide open. And I'm like, huh, I wonder when that happened. <laughs> so I actually have a door sensor on the door for the boiler room. So I said, well, that door is normally closed. When was the last time it was opened? Oh, three and a half days ago. Awesome. <laughs> I didn't take Thankfully, you for a call. What's that? I didn't take you for a cold plunge guy, Brian, but yeah, you, you left it open the last time you did a cold plunge. <laughs> Wasn't me. It was it was my son. It was it was him, you know. He's all worried about getting back on Roblox, so he's just like vroom, 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 and, and just left it open. <laughs> Thankfully everything was fine, but I'm seriously considering either getting another door sensor or moving that door sensor over to the uh to the chest freezer because that would be a little bit more important. I may want to get a couple text messages and everything if it's open for you know more than a yep. couple minutes. So that's funny. That's funny that you said that because the same exact thing happened to me like four days ago. <laughs> so uh, like a week ago, I must, I sent, I think I sent one of my kids down to like grab something out of the freezer and uh, yeah, brought it up. I didn't think anything of it. I went down there nope. two days ago. Oh, this door is open like four inches. Oh, cool. <laughs> like the entire front of the freezer all defrosted uh has been running constantly you know yep. just trying to keep everything cool now for a week and i'm like i literally have a door sensor in a box that i haven't opened yet sitting on top of that freezer because i was going to do that <laughs> and so close yet sure so enough, far <laughs> yeah it's on there now this but, this uh, ex this signifies the importance of actually installing the gear that you get yeah, uh, ladies just, and gentlemen, don't let it be um, shelfware. You don't don't let it be shelfware. That that doesn't go just for the Meraki sensors and and you know use your buttons, use your cameras, use your sensors, use them wisely. With great great power comes great responsibility. This has been a public service announcement from your friends at ConfQ with your SE. Oh man, um, cool. So I'm surprised we spent as long as we did on the buttons, but I I love it, Ryan. You're gonna have to send me a few of those because now. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to play around with those. Um, and for let me ask you this, Ryan, for our listeners uh, that would be interested in something like this, do they have trials or, or, or promos where we they can get them? Are they relatively inexpensive? I mean, I can't imagine they're too much for just being a. I think they're just a BLE button, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah, they're very too? very inexpensive. Uh, I don't want to say the list price off the top of my head, uh, but let's put it this way: it's it's I think it's like less it's definitely less than $500 list price uh for the button and i think yeah. it's significantly under that so there we're not talking like thousands of dollars uh and then uh but yes we can trial them as well so you know just cool. talk to your to your meraki rep and they can get you some trials no problem and yeah, requir requirement out. wise 
was there a specific version of camera and AP, right, that they have to work with? Good yeah, question. so that's a great point to bring up. So it's an IoT device, right? And and uh, meaning like it doesn't join over Wi-Fi or anything like that. It actually communicates with the with the network over Bluetooth. So it does need a Bluetooth gateway, and that Bluetooth gateway can either be uh, a Wi-Fi five and above Meraki access point or a Gen two camera and above uh, Meraki camera. So you do kind of need that companion product uh with it uh, just that because that will act as the iot gateway uh for those devices which it, these have been the devices we've been selling for about four or five years now right maybe not five, yeah yeah i mean wi-fi five aps of yeah anything yeah the last five plus years yeah yep because yeah. you, you guys were throwing you guys were throwing the, the bluetooth radios in those things early with, early. with no purpose yep. at the time but yeah yep. we're using that exactly is there any is there any limit to uh like how many sensors per ap or per camera you can have yeah there there wasn't an early limitation there i think it was like eight sensors uh per iot gateway i think they've like upped that closer to like 50 now or something like that so like it's like yeah now now you can there's not there is a limitation but you practically never run into it um so yeah Cool. Unless you have about a hundred buttons and to do, you know, a hundred different things, then I just yeah. want a wall of buttons. Just, mm, what does this one? <laughs> yeah. And none of them are labeled. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it it can be like the uh, the elevator at the the Willy Wonka chocolate factory where they've just got you know buttons everywhere and who knows where they all go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, on the same track of the um, Bluetooth Low Energy. I know one of the things we were talking about was customers that are utilizing e-ink displays. Uh, not they don't think these these aren't made by Meraki, but these are these are third third party, right? Uh, but these e-ink displays that use Bluetooth Low Energy and can connect up to the uh, Meraki access points for price changes stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah, building off that Bluetooth radio, right? That we use uh, for the IoT devices. Um, we there's a new kind of retail trend around electronic shelf labels they're called um so essentially right if you if you ever seen a grocery store grocery store is probably like the prime example of this um but yeah you go around you have the little tags that all the prices on it um as someone who worked in a grocery store uh in in high school uh, you you know one, pro- probably about once a week you'd go in the back room you'd print out a list of all the price changes right uh, and you get all the tags and you have to walk around the store and and, and put all those over. Um, so th- there's a very obvious use case to be able to like push out an update to these things and, and have them just update. Right. Uh, uh, you know, not have to go, um, uh, you know, and do that all manually. So these there's been a whole industry that popped up around this electronic shelf labels. Um, they're really cool devices. They're same type of st- uh, st- uh, status though, right? Where they, they're battery operated. They have like the little small, some of them are like the CR batteries that are in there that last for like five years. Um, they're using those little e-ink displays and the way they push updates is through the Meraki access points using that Bluetooth radio, which is really slick. Um, so there's whole platforms out there where, again, we're not the ones building that platform, right? We're the ones facilitating it from a hardware perspective, utilizing that BLE radio. Um, but then outside of um, just like kind of that, that typical grocery store use case, we've started to see these displays getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now um, you have them being used in conference rooms to display, you know, uh, availability. You, we, one of the use cases I've been uh, having customers play around with is um, displaying a QR code that you would scan for Wi-Fi access, right? Um, now that everyone in the world knows how to use QR codes, um, you know, they, uh, that, that's a really easy way to distribute, um, you know, a PSK without having to distribute the PSK, right. You now don't have to reveal that. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of cool use cases popping up around that. Um, they're, they're being used for digital media signage, uh, all that kind of stuff. So the, the, it's like one of these new things where again, like the, the possibilities in this space are, are really up to you. I actually had another customer that uses it for, um, hot desking. Right, so it'll display who's at that desk for the day when they're putting these e-ink displays on on every desk and say, "Hey, this one's available, this one's not." So there's some really cool stuff you can do with it, and, and the Meraki hardware is on the back end, kind of facilitating all that. And these partners um, that are building out these platforms around this, they're all listed on that apps marketplace that I mentioned earlier, apps.meraki.io. Uh, so yeah, there, there's a whole host of them. That's awesome. 
yeah, just again, it goes it goes back to kind of the foresight that Meragi had when it came to making sure that those access points all had Bluetooth radios, and that when the cameras came out, I don't I don't know if the first gen did, but I know the second gens they had Bluetooth radios, and it. it's like, what are we going to need a Bluetooth on a camera for? Well, there you go. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's coming coming handy for sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. Tom, I don't know if you had any of the questions on the Bluetooth stuff. I wanted to go on to the the next and last topic here. Um, let's talk Catalyst for a second. So anyone that knows enough about Cisco, anyone that knows anything about Cisco knows that when it comes to switching uh, for the access layer, you kind of have, uh, and you're going the Cisco route, you really have two families to look at, uh, Meraki or Catalyst. And... There's always been kind of that sense of I don't want to say competition, right? Because that's that's never the 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 thing that we've ever wanted to to be in, right? Where we're kind of competing against ourselves. Um, they had different use cases and they had they had different uh, different benefits. Um, but what we've been noticing lately, and I know the the uh, the intention was given to us was announced years ago internally that the intention of the company was to kind of start merging these together and making them a little bit more interchangeable and a little bit just play play nicer together versus just well this this shop this building runs meraki and this shop over here runs catalyst right we we wanted to be able to kind of allow for that mixing to happen a little bit more and it sounds like and it and it seems like because i've noticed it even on my own dashboard now that those intentions are coming to fruition so ryan with all that being said what can you tell us about the latest developments with the whole Catalyst and Meraki in our ecosystems? Yeah. So this is this has definitely been um, an, an evolution as well, right? Like we, we, you mentioned like we, not so much a competition, but it was always kind of like, you know, how do you want to manage your gear, right? Like, do you have thousands of switches out there and you want to, you know, SSH into each one of them? And there's, there's things that like, you know, Meraki does really, really well, which is like managing a lot of devices at scale. And then there's things like Cisco does really well, the Catalyst switches do really well, which is like have every feature button and knob like under the sun that's ever been built by networking, <laughs> right? So, um, so there, there's definitely these use cases, right? That that are are that each one is good at, and and as we looked across like our customer base, like what we found was, hey, like listen for for like small medium business, right? Like I think Meraki fits. 98% of those use cases, right? There's going to be some some things that we don't do and, and that's where Catalyst comes in, right? As you go kind of go up to, you know, um, maybe like Fortune 500 companies, right? Like and you start to look at, you know, our, our hospital systems, all this kind of stuff, like more like there was a little bit more complexity in the network. Um, you start to say, well, okay, like Meraki can handle 75% of these use cases, right? And then the other 25%. Um, and, you know, as you go up into enterprise and all this kind of stuff, right? Like you start to, Meraki starts to like not being able to tackle as many of those. So as you move kind of up market, um, what we start to see more of is hybrid designs, right? So you start to go, okay, well, like, listen, like at my access layer, like where I have 5,000 ports I'm monitoring, like all I need them to do is like layer two access, right? Like, and great. But like in the core of that network, I'm going to have a whole host of other requirements that maybe Meraki doesn't have, Right. So we got really comfortable with talking around this like hybrid design. Now, the problem behind that from a customer perspective, they're like, okay, so I'm going to like cut this check to Cisco. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send this money to Cisco. And then Cisco is going to send me Meraki stuff and Cisco stuff. And then I'm going to log in onto this website to configure my Meraki stuff. And then I'm going to like use this to, but like I paid you, like, why are you not giving me, like, why do I got to do this? Right. So um, so we were kind of like almost like intentionally selling complexity, which is like not what we want to do, right? Like we're trying to simplify everything. So that's kind of the initial problem statement behind it. So what we've been working on um, are a couple of things. So the first thing uh, is that definitely the one that, that we're most excited about is what we call catalyst monitoring. Um, so essentially what we mean by this is like, if you have these hybrid designs, right? Like you might have a, a catalyst 9,500 core with a bunch of Meraki access layer switches, right? Um, 
cool. Like when you go deploy that gear, yes, you're going to log into the Meraki dashboard, configure your Meraki switches. You're going to SSH into your 9500, configure that, right? Um, but now day two on, right? You're you're out there monitoring your, your infrastructure. We wanted to build an ability for you to monitor that catalyst switch in the Meraki dashboard, right? So um, with the catalyst switch, they they have the ability to report their telemetry, and we basically built out a way for the Meraki dashboard to accept that telemetry and display it as if it were a Meraki switch, right? So you can in the Meraki dashboard now you can say like show me what ports are are, are active, which ones are providing PoE, what's their like configuration. You can see all that from a monitoring perspective. If you want the Meraki dashboard to alert you. If the switch goes offline or a power supply fails, um, all of those, anything that you could do with Meraki from a from a monitoring perspective on a Meraki switch, you can now do on the Catalyst switch, right? Um, so we're really excited about it. Uh, I think it really drives home that kind of hybrid design. Uh, it unlocks a lot of you know cool new use cases for Meraki, not so much from a where we're deploying it, but it just makes it so that we're we're not intentionally inducing this sort of pain, right? Uh, into customers kind of day two operations. So um, the best part about it is that it's included with your DNA licensing, right? So when you buy Catalyst Switch, you get DNA licensing to go alongside of it. Um, This functionality is included with that. You do not need a separate Meraki license for this functionality, for this monitoring functionality, which is fantastic. So um, That's huge, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, it's just really, really driving home, um, this kind of hybrid design. Um, the, the second flavor that, that is still very much in the works. So I, I'm not, uh, certainly advocating for, for customers to go run out and do this right now, but, um, the second flavor that is of just the direction we are heading is, um, if you did want to do control, uh, of those catalysts, which is in the Meraki dashboard, we will be kind of uh, uh, releasing a conversion process. So if you wanted to convert a catalyst switch to a Meraki switch, um, there will be a conversion process. Today, this is in kind of like a, I would say a beta process on the 9300. So if you wanted to convert those over, you can uh, today. We, we're still like working out kinks in that process. Like, um, and we want to make sure it's like really ready for prime time because obviously we know there are, millions of catalyst catalyst 9k switches out there we you know we want to make sure it's ready to go so in the future you'll even if you said hey listen i really want cisco hardware but i want it to be managed by meraki i want to control it all through meraki then great there'll be a conversion process for for those catalyst 9ks as well nice what about on the wi-fi stuff i know there's there's i've, I've heard some stuff and again because i'm out of that generalist role i only kind of hear the whispers um what's what's going on on the on the wi-fi front yeah, so at Cisco Live last year, um, we launched a new converged line of access points. So, like, if you if you're familiar with like Meraki line of access points, we always call them MR something, right? Meraki mm-hmm. radio, um, and uh, so that nomenclature has been in use for for all Meraki products since our our launch, right? Um, so the new access points are called CW, right? Cisco Wireless, um, and in true Cisco fashion, they're called the 9162, 9164, and the 9166, um, you know, doesn't quite roll off the tongue like the MR56 does. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh, these are Wi-Fi 6E access points. But the really cool thing about these is now a converged line of hardware, meaning I can order them in a Meraki mode. So you would have, you'd have a dash MR at the end of the, the name. Uh, and when you receive that, it's going to boot up and act just like a Meraki AP. Right, so it's going to boot up, look for the cloud, download its config. You don't got to do anything to that that device. It, it's already it knows exactly what to do. Right? Um, if you have a if you have a controller, uh, a ninety eight hundred controller, or you have a DNA center appliance that you want the the device to boot up, you can order them in a uh, a traditional catalyst mode, and they'll boot up and, and look for the controller. The beauty behind this is that if your needs should change over uh, the life of that access point, you can convert between the two. So from the Meraki dashboard, you can say, nope, I want you to be a controller-based AP now. Cool. It sends the command to the AP. It falls offline from the dashboard and, and will reboot and look for a controller, right? Um, so you can you can swap between them now. So no longer now are you making hardware-based decisions 
uh, that are, are, are based on the management platform that you want to use. You can now say, hey, here's the hardware I'm using and let me evaluate how I want to manage it. So, Ryan, are you thinking long term we'll see more of the converged style hardware, not only in the wireless side, but potentially even the switching side? If I'm reading the tea leaves, I think that's where we're going. Um, I think that kind of makes sense, right? Like maybe on a, a 9K, you could order it in a dash Meraki mode, right? Like um, I still think like we're seeing how customers accept it, right? Like we're like, I think we're in, on the switching side, we're still very much in a, um, we're going to do what our customers want us to do, right? And if that, if there's a demand for that, then, then I think it'll happen. Um, so yeah, I think we're, we're certainly readying, uh, things for that, but, um, I think the, the adoption of that will kind of drive how quickly we get there. It's funny. It's a, it's always... a slow process though, for sure. I mean, you want to make sure you get it right. Well, I, I'm sorry, Tom, anyway, I, but I'm just thinking like, you know, I know that the MS390, for example, it was based on Catalyst 9300 hardware, but it had had the kind of the, the heart of the Meraki piece, right? And, you know, yep. going from there to the next transition of saying, hey, okay, we got a 9300, let's kind of put it in monitor mode where you're still running Catalyst, but we have a hook in there a little bit to be able to keep an eye on it and alert you when something's going on. So, and, and I think it, it should be a slow process, right? We want to make sure that we're doing it right, uh, especially because it's like, you know, these these switches, I don't think any of our customers have you know switches that are in their production network that really just aren't doing anything, right? You know, like they're they they are workhorses. They're they're whether it's a Meraki or or, or a Catalyst or any other vendor, right? If you got a switch in your in your data closet, chances are those lights are blinking. It's doing something, right? If if it's worth its weight, you know, if it's worth its money, it's it's working. So you don't want to just you know, hey, let's just try this and see what happens, right? So. Um, but it's it's cool just to see that evolution um, of 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 where we've we, where we've come and kind of where it looks like it's going. And I, I I would agree with you on the on the tea leaves thing. Go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to to cut you off there. No, it's funny. You you said almost exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I, I was going to mention the MS390. Like when I first saw that come out, I was thinking, oh, this is like almost kind of the first step into yep. combining the ecosystems in some to some degree and i was very curious where that would go and sure enough you know we're now we're starting to see the hardware blend over and i think that's awesome yeah i think the the other part about this is like really starting to evolve um how our customers like interact with cisco products right so like you know if listen if you uh became a, a network administrator you know in the past 30 years right like you your whole methodology of troubleshooting, your the way your brain is literally wired to to think through things, it's going to be like, okay, let me hop into the switch CLI. Let me, I know my commands and whatnot, right? Um, and and some of the resistance that we get from a Meraki perspective is like, I don't have CLI, and you know, I don't I don't have the access to that, so I got to relearn something, right? So by doing monitor mode, right, we really allow people to like literally put like the the, the baby toe in the water, right? You can say, all right, hold on, let me. I know I still have access to my CLI over here if I really need to, but now I can put all my data here in the dashboard and now see if I can log into that and do my troubleshooting and deduce what might be going on in the network, right? From the GUI, as opposed to like, I want to, you know, immediately go back into CLI. So um, I think it's a way for us to bring customers into this cloud management world without having them fully commit to it. Right. Um, So yeah, I'm super excited because it's, Definitely meaning also that from a cloud management perspective, like, you know, Meraki is the answer, right? Like that's how we're going to do cloud management at Cisco. Um, and so, yeah, it's all exciting times all around. Awesome. Well, if there are, if, if history with Meraki development and it has it's taught us anything, as we've just demonstrated just in this one episode of, you know, two different lines between the, the cameras and the, the introduction of the Bluetooth radios and the, in the access points from a very early, early start. Uh, if, if any of that has shown us anything, it's that there's always planning for the future and, uh, there's always, it's always moving ahead forward. So that is, that is cool. We have covered everything from hot dogs and giraffes to Bluetooth and everything in between, uh, which is quite a bit. Um, Tom, I don't know if you had any uh, any anything further you wanted to ask before we wrap up with uh, with Ryan here. Ryan, was there any final thoughts from from your standpoint? Um, no, I think yeah, we we definitely covered a lot. Um, 
what I will say is, yeah, just just remember Meraki has one of the best, you know, free trial motions out there, right? So yep. um, anything you want to play around with, definitely just talk to your Meraki rep. They'll get your trials going. And um, and if you're interested in any of the Catalyst stuff, uh, all of the, the information of how to do it is all posted on our documentation site. So if you go to documentation.meraki.com, just search for Catalyst, you'll find it. Uh, it'll probably be the top thing that pops up. Um, and that's the, the catalyst monitoring stuff is released today. You, you can go do that. It's not beta. It doesn't require any crazy code or anything like that. Like it, it's using the latest gold image on the Cisco side. So, yep. um, so yeah, it, it is, that's ready for prime time. Awesome. Yeah. As, as we've always said before, right. Talk with your Cisco account team. If you want to see the stuff in action, hook you up with some trials, demos, whatever. Um, you know, if you're not living in it every day, like we are this is, you know, things kind of fall through the cracks and that's why we have this show to kind of bring, uh, bring this information uh, and bubble it up for you, for you to check out. So Ryan, thank you uh, again so much for being on the show. Great to have you back and thank you for listening to Conf T with your SE. Be safe out there and don't forget to save that config. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Conf T with your SE. For more information and resources on today's topic and others, Check out the show notes on our website at conft.show. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future topics, drop us a line at hello at conft.show. And remember, if you found this episode informative and entertaining, please help us spread the word by rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platform and sharing it with your colleagues and friends. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, this has been Conf T with your SE.